Welcome to today's episode of Tartugio, the podcast for geography and GIS lovers brought to you from the Department of Geography of the University of Tartu, Estonia. This show is brought to you by your host, myself, Tahmin, and Alex. Hi, Alex. Hi, Tahmin. For today's episode, we have the opportunity to talk with Kaupu Fuhrmansig and Tane Tam from the Radar Remote Science Remote Sensing Company Kapazeta here in Tartu. Kapazeta is a science-driven spin-off company from the University of Tartu, and Kaupo and Tanel both got also their PhD degrees from the University of Tartu. Hi, Kaupo and Tanel. Hi. Hi, hi. So, Kaupo and Tanel, um, basically, how was your journey towards geoinformatics or your current position in a couple of sentences, if you can give us a brief summary for our listeners? I guess it has been quite different paths. Uh, I started actually as a computer science student and physics mm-hmm. student. Uh, then, thanks to Mart Norm, I came to the space technology topics uh, in 2008 already. Mm-hmm. And my uh, doctoral studies, I had opportunity to do in cooperation with Estonian company Regio. Mm-hmm. Uh, which oh. now is split to Regio and Regio, like two branches, but back then it was a single company. And I have been like, kind of like maps have been interesting for me for a while, since childhood, like I have liked maps. And I also had orienteering hobby, so that uh, this uh, doctoral studies in, in Regio about uh, mapping and including uh, satellite data and, uh, and space science, this sounded really interesting for me. It's like bingo, it was perfect. <laughs> And now here I am, like together with Tanel, running our own company in the same field. Nice. And what about you, Tanel? Um, it's it's quite the same way. Like in in childhood, I remember that I really liked to see the maps, to think about the, like, uh, okay, I can see the whole Estonia in one page. It's mm-hmm. like really really amazing. I can see one like whole world in mm-hmm. one page and so on. But uh, I didn't go to study geography at once. I was studying environmental technology. It was a broad uh, subject, basically. And But in 2003, I met Kalle Remm. Uh-huh. Before that, uh, I was consulting with uh, Raiva Auno. And, uh, and mm-hmm. from there, we got like some understanding that, that this remote sensing is something I would like to do. But with Kalerem, I did my bachelor's uh, study, uh, and since then this uh, remote sensing has been like the the niche for me mm. in the geo geoinformatics uh, domain. But this geoinformatics it came from the interest to it came from Yuri Rosare uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> mainly because I, I took his uh, lectures and. Mm-hmm. They, they really were like fascinating to me, like really, really good things. So the environmental technology is that I know that in the current department of geography, it is a bit split between geology and geography department. What was it back then? Was it all under the department of geography or was it like a separate way? Because, you know, Yuri and, and um, Arrivo and Kana, they were all department of geography. Yes, it was split. It was even in that way split that there were like uh, one half of our uh, course was in uh, between in in the department of uh, faculty of 
chemistry and physics. Right. And I was also in there, mm. basically. Uh, and the other one was in the faculty of, uh, oh, what was the name back then? Something like... Uh, Biology and geography, I guess. Biology and geography or something, yes. Geo-geo. Yes, yes. So, but after this bachelor's, then I um, already uh, became like a real geography, geographer, because I, <laughs> I studied a master's in, in this uh, geoinformatics already. Ah, okay. The specialization, yeah, of the... Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, I first uh, became aware that uh, such person like uh, Tanel Tam is uh, existing in 2012, when we met in uh, Estris, uh, Conference in Pärnu. Iskis conference, yeah. Um, yeah. Tahmin, do we know the Iskis conference? No, not really. <laughs> so East Iskis is the Estonian Society of Geoinformatics. So we have that okay. in, in Estonia. And um, Tenu here, Professor Tenu Oya, mm -hmm. and, and many of us here in the Geoinformatics chair are also members in this Estonian Society of Geoinformatics. And they have usually they have also a little conference each year, and it's usually in different air places and then you know it's for industry and acad academics um, to meet together together mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. nice together. nice really nice and uh Kaupo and Tanel uh how did you came up with the idea of your company basically or how did it started yeah this actually goes exactly where my last answer ended okay <laughs> yeah. like in the in the conference we met and Tanel proposed that we should uh, cooperate I thought it's a good idea. Tanel looked like a serious guy and got <laughs> And then uh, we first started to making research together. Uh -huh. And uh, the final stage of uh, Tanel's uh, PhD was, was with our uh, SAR research group, Synthetic Aperture Radar Research Group, which we had just recently founded. And uh, yeah, then we did the research together. I graduated PhD, Tanel graduated PhD. But Tanel already during the research time talked to me there several times that we have to establish a company, we have to start the company. And then in one of the experiments, we kind of achieved breakthrough results with Sentinel data, mm -hmm. which we thought that like nobody else has uh, achieved before. And uh, till today, it's the highest cited paper of ours. It's Tanel's uh, doctoral thesis last uh, research paper. And then we thought that this is such a good idea that uh, it's uh, worth to really now start the company. Mm -hmm. It was 2015. Because I remember when I came to Estonia in 2017, I uh, I think one of the first things I attended was also uh, Tanet's defense, I think. Was one of the first PhD defenses, it, I think. It, uh, I defended, I think, 2018. Oh, 2018, yeah. Yes. I remember, but I remember because the opponent uh, Mariana, I know from back in Salzburg. Oh, mm -hmm. uh, he, yes, it took me uh, quite a long time because I was working full time in, in Tallinn actually. Uh, in wow. I, in 2000, starting from 2005. So it took a lot of time, yes. Wow, cool. Mm. Yeah, okay. we were found, yeah. yeah, sorry. Yeah. We, were, we were founded in 2015, but like finally we became like economically active in 2017. So we are like Tanel told that we were first employed full time in other places. And the real like more, how can I say, active action started in 2017. So you had, you had incorporated, uh, but, but 
it, we're not like you know, you know paying each other and and having contracts and whatnot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, well, if we are in this topic right now already, then um, uh, do, do you consider Capazetta a, a official spin-off from Tartu University? Is it sort of labeled as such, or does it get I don't know support as such? Uh, yes, actually, we have even a spin-off uh, contract with Tartu Observatory. So right. we started as a spin-off of Tartu Observatory, right. which uh, back then was an independent uh, research institute under yeah. Estonian government. But now Tartu Observatory is merged to Tartu University, mm -hmm. University yeah. of Tartu. Yeah. And now, of course, it also inherited all of the spin-offs. <laughs> <laughs> so now we are the spin-off of University of Tartu. But obviously, like we have cooperated and worked with university people for a while. Yeah. Already. Cool. And I just wanted to share that uh, uh, I remember that uh, even like 2010 or something there, uh, already Estonian got involved in this, more involved in this uh, space industry. Basically back then they already started to move towards uh, European Space Agency, yeah. ESA, and some, some seminars and uh, Uh, and conferences were organized and I participated there and uh, so it was also quite important to actually see that um, there is um, there is kind of uh, push toward this um, this sector and of course these Copernicus satellites because mm -hmm. they, they were launched and now it came in reality that we have that kind of source of information yeah I was really like uh, in the like in those early times. There was really this um, coming sort of excitement and and stream, and you guys really rode the wave early. Fantastic. Um, yeah, as the next maybe, thing, yeah, yeah, no, continue. Maybe, maybe even like too early. I remember like in 2010 uh, when we started the space activities in Regio, then like the then CEO of uh, Regio, Ted Jagomagi, was also very excited about this uh, space technology stuff, and. Uh, I, I think then we were too early because there was no such amounts of data available to realize all of these ideas. And then like after one year of experimenting, kind of like uh, he switched to the mobile business because he didn't see that it's possible to make it work yet. Mm -hmm. But uh, let's say I was, uh, I, I don't know, more stubborn or more like purpose oriented or maybe just more stupid. And <laughs> I, I continued to work on the space. Uh, stuff and here now we are and we we were patient enough to wait the copernicus program to be realized and now it's really yeah. many interesting applications we can do with mm -hmm. this data was it was it an issue back then also the processing of the data is that better today like computation wise like performance wise mm, yeah kind of i i would say not decent that because like the data was smaller than Mm -hmm. Again, Envisat data was, the files were much smaller. Okay. And of course, the pro both the pro processing power and the volumes of data have grown. So mm -hmm. it, it wasn't a big burden. I think mainly the problem was just to have enough free data. Okay. But right. uh, nowadays it's coming to a reality day by day, and we're seeing more and more users of this uh, satellite and space data. So hopefully something good for future. Yeah, absolutely. Like the Earth observation sector is healthy. It's growing about 10% in a year. Of course, like for the unicorn and uh, 
how can I say, startup-minded people, mm -hmm. this 10% per year is like slow. But still, like uh, if you consider other sectors, how they are growing or decreasing in Europe, then this 10% per year in European context of economy is pretty good. Um, what are you, I mean, we have mentioned you're basically talking about it because it's now more or less the, the center of your life. But maybe we can uh, quickly sort of um, look at what are your personal interests in geoinformatics or remote sensing or, you know, or both in, in, in context. And uh, under under three different aspects. The first, uh, what is you know interest in terms of research development. Then, if you do teaching or training, and uh, third is applied projects or problem solving. What you know, what 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 drives you? What are your interests in in those areas? Anna, maybe you would like to start. Uh, okay. Mm. Can you remind me what was the first one? Uh, research and development, like in terms oh. of research and development. Okay, research and development. I started with um, uh, actually playing with machine learning uh, techniques and and uh, published uh, and also some local statistics, meaning that uh, not only if we do like pixel-based analysis, not only one pixel is important. The important is also the surrounding of this pixel. These were the topics. But then we moved to this radar also. And in this radar, uh, we we focused on mowing detection. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and then found out that this uh, uh, interferometric coherence is is quite nicely relating to uh, mowing events, mm -hmm. and, uh, and this this made actually possible to uh, to detect these mowings uh, precisely enough. Uh, yes, so I think for research wise, that's that's it. Currently, we are currently we are more focused on uh, on uh, actually optimizing the processing mm -hmm. and also uh, finding out what else can be uh, retrieved from this um, radar data are you are you only using a radar or is it or is it a business secret i don't know is it using both the satellites mainly sentinel one and sentinel two so we are we are merging these together, yes. Mm -hmm. But still, I mean, if if we think about what uh, what is uh, special for us is, is this radar part because uh, there are many many companies who deal with Sentinel two and Landsat and so on with imagery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, Kaupo, uh, do you want to add something? the first about the. Uh research and development mm -hmm. in uh, personal interest. Yeah. I, I'm a SAR guy, synthetic aperture radar guy. And uh, to go back then, starting already from regio time, this uh, uh, SAR looked very interesting for me. And I was lucky enough to get the position in DLR, Microwaves and Radar Institute during my PhD time. In, Ge in Germany? In Germany, in Oberfakenhofen. Oh, wow. So I was first there uh, seven months. And then the second stay was one and a half months. It was quite intense period. It's, I always like to refer to this, that it is a good feeling sometimes to be the most uh, stupid person in the room, because yeah. then you can learn the most. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so if your goal is to learn, then it's a good feeling. 
and my goal was to be learning and I, I got a very good understanding like what how the system works and what are the possible at all and of course like this what is possible at all sentinel one is just providing like a little subset of it in terms of parameters there is a volumes of this data what is special about sentinel is that it's really huge areas about this data uh, but uh, the parameter set itself is kind of limited mm -hmm. but uh, i am mainly excited of that more polarimetric and interferometric, also like this 3D interferometric, but allows to measure the topography and the vegetation height. Like with, in Ayala's doctoral thesis, we developed methodology to measure tree height. Uh, I am mainly excited that uh, kind of this more rich SAR data, more complex and more rich in terms of polarimetry and interferometry, yeah. becomes available in large uh, masses. I'm not very excited about, uh, let's say, some, some super high-end, uh, super resolution data of some, some small amounts. But what I, yeah. I am a big fan of the Sentinel program, that it's really large scale, yeah. large volumes, free and open, because yeah. that makes the difference. Like there are many like complex, uh, exciting small missions, but when you zoom in, then you and you see that it's so expensive that only military users can afford it. Yeah. And this is not very exciting. It's yeah. It's really like nothing, but if we could make this like uh, very rich SAR data available in large scale, like in Copernicus program, this would be something really cool. And this would mm -hmm. be the water uh, for our company also to provide more interesting information yeah. products mm -hmm. on top of it. Uh, oh yeah, and just recently applied to this uh, Sentinel-1 uh, next generation. So this is the successor of the current Sentinel-1 radar system advisory group, um, uh, Estonian representative position uh, to ESA, and I, I hope it will be accepted and then I can uh, argue and passionately and vision oh, wow. with the other nice. people, like how the next uh, generation uh, Sentinel-1 yeah. should be. And uh, maybe um, for clarification for, you know, us not so technical people, as far as I understand, so the let's say limit limitation um, or one of the drawbacks of the Sentinel-1 radar is it's not fully polarimetric or something like that. Yeah, is that exactly. right? It's just dual polarimetric. And ah, yeah. actually okay. it has selected kind of the poorest channels for polarimetry. <laughs> it's uh, like VV plus VH uh, polarimetry is more poor than VHH polarimetry. Uh -huh. It's copal, copal polarimetry in terms of uh, information content is more rich. And even if you would have different dual pole, it would be better. But ideal would be to have fully polarimetric. Yeah. yeah. Are there are there free and open um, fully polarimetric um, satellite missions? Tandem uh, Tandem X or something? Tandem X is a great mission, sure. Uh, Tandem X is is beautiful. You can do a lot of this, but uh, it's not fully polarimetric. Oh, Tandem X is great okay. because of the interferometric capability. There are two yeah. satellites flying in constellation and like very close to each other, but with a baseline. Yeah. They create kind of like a 3D. Uh, oh, that's what they call Tandem. Oh. Yeah. Because they're flying in Tandem. They are flying together, yeah, very close by. And uh, they have like, also like we are, our eyes, like are two sensors in two different yeah. locations. Mm -hmm. Then we can see, estimate the distance. So they have also the baseline for radar. And then they can estimate the topography and also the yeah. vegetation height. Yeah, and I would say that this would be a really a killer data if this would be available in large scale. Tandem is beautiful, but it's uh, it's producing so tiny amount of data right. compared to Sentinel. Like Sentinel mm -hmm. is like a mammoth in terms of data production compared mm -hmm. to Tandem. 
that if somebody in, would... You mean in each swath? Or? In each swath, and I also mean the duty cycle. The duty cycle means okay. like how large amount of the orbit uh, sensor can be switched on. Yeah. Uh, like for Sentinel-1, it's half an hour. Like one orbit is about one and a half hours. So mm -hmm. one third, 30% uh, of the orbit time, it can acquire data. Whereas tandem, it's like something like three minutes per orbit or five minutes per orbit. Or it's like uh -huh. much, much uh, less data. And uh -huh. also the flat okay. width. Okay. Yeah. So like Sentinel-1s are like 250 kilometers with mm -hmm. it. Whereas the native resolution of tandem is 30 kilometers. Mm -hmm. So it's enormous difference in, in okay. data volumes. Uh, in terms of data policy, actually, we have to praise the, the Germans, uh, especially for research users. It's like you apply, you come with the project that you want to do this uh, PhD thesis, this experiment. Can you give me the data? They usually give you. If you have more or less uh, sound idea, they will give you the data. Cool. Of course, it's no, not so free and open as Sentinel-1 data, but it's still really good. Ah, okay. Mm. Well, thanks for that background. Yeah, that's something nice to know, I think, for the students and researchers for future as well. Maybe yeah. if someone wants to look into uh, this direction, they can probably look into yeah, this. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, Tallinn Technical University Marine Systems Institute have used uh, also tandem data and terrestrial data in their work. Mm. It's not only our group who has used them. Mm. Um, one of the questions sort of was aiming at uh, teaching and training. And I know, I mean, as you are a professional company, you probably are not involved anymore in training or teaching so much yourselves. Or, or But um, as far as I know, you have interns from Department of Geography sometimes. Is that right? That's correct, yes. Um, is, is it, does it work out for you? Is it, would you like to have, you know, regularly more or... What is your... Yeah, your yeah definitely. I think it's mutually beneficial to be open for the university, like provide mm -hmm. some training there, uh, like the, the students of the university get some, uh, how can I say, understanding what is the life in the company, what's the world out there, yeah. and we, we could get potentially our future employees. Yeah. So, and overall, like our group have supervised around, I think, even 15 in total, supervised and co-supervised, 15 bachelor, master and, uh, oh, seriously? and uh, PhD students. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, actually, several also, Tanel mentioned with Raiva Onop, so some, yeah. I think, three, three students together with Raiva Onop, so oh, praising Raiva, very, very good cooperation uh, <laughs> okay. mm -hmm. with him and oh, very careful and, that, and good guy. Fantastic. Yes, I, I want to also mention that um, we have had really good uh, people coming from uh, this um, um, IT faculty. Yeah. And, uh, Institute of Computer Science. Computer Science faculty, yes. So mm -hmm. it has been a pleasure, I would say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so both, you, I mean, both, you, uh, yeah. the, the, the situation in this uh, this domain is really competing, so you cannot expect to uh, like keep everybody. Mm. So, uh, but but the, the, uh, it, it has been a pleasure to have them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I think eventually all the good people will realize that it's way more exciting to work with uh, satellite data than to program some accounting <laughs> system or online <laughs> exactly. bank. Or, 
or online store or it's like yeah. I, I never understand these people who come like choose some kind of more boring task instead of uh, working with satellite data. I guess, so. Admittedly, I mean, I also have a bachelor in computer science and then I switched to to um, GIS and uh, it's also because the data, you know, that we work with is just makes, you know, it's more relatable and, you know, it's more exciting. Totally uh, right understanding and right priorities. <laughs> and and um, COPO and, and you too, Tane, so, I mean, um, for, for students also, the, the working with SAR data is, is quite more physics um, heavy than working with imagery data, is that right? Regarding, I don't know, frequency, spec scatter and, you know, all these words. Yeah, it's this and that, like it's less intuitive to uh, interpret the SAR imagery originally. And let's mm -hmm. say if you provide a single channel spec with SAR image to somebody, then they might have a reaction that why are you showing me this ugly picture? <laughs> <laughs> But if you like suppress the spectrum and have multiple polarizations, it already looks colorful. Or you do interferometry and then you have these LST fringe pictures. Then uh -huh. people are like, wow, like, how did you get this? Like, <laughs> it's really cool. Creepy uh, uh, pictures. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, uh, but I, it's true, there is a lot of formulas, a lot of maths. But in, in general, I don't believe in, think, in formulas. Like people think in pictures. And all this SAR understanding also, you build up the concepts from the, that you imagine how the system works. You draw the diagrams, how the signal travels between the satellite and figures like between mm -hmm. the Earth, how it scatters, how it's reflected back. And then you kind of understand that, construct understanding. Right. But yeah, the learning curve might be steeper than, uh, than for optical data. That's why we have fewer competitors, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Right, right. Yes, I wanted to add about this teaching thing that actually we, I was teaching this post-GIS and, and GeoServer courses uh, oh, yeah. few few years ago. Yeah. Now, now I don't, uh, but Kaupo, you still have something. I, I'm giving some lectures uh, in the subject of uh, remote sensing, what Kristallika uh, is uh, running. Oh. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not the responsible lecturer anymore, but every year there are free lectures of me and I try to keep the content up to date. Like I often like after some three years, I start to feel like a radio and then I look at my slides again and do I still believe into this or I should update it? And after I update it, I feel good again. That I'm telling now the present day. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so what would you say your personal outlook for the future of geoinformatics or what do you think about the future of geoinformatics? Here we would like to have you expand on uh, two different kind of uh, aspect. One is GIS geospatial world in general. How do you see this world is going in future, uh, where it is going? And for your own journey, uh, probably personally and as a company. Tunnel, this is mainly your expertise. Maybe you can start. Mm. I have some ideas. But I, yes, I will, I will try to answer it, uh, and it will be uh, quite uh, related to remote sensing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I will of course. Uh, take it uh, uh, limited in that sense. Makes sense. So, um, what I, I think is going on and will be going on is that uh, there will be uh, more and more this kind of uh, uh, data group solutions, mm -hmm. meaning that uh, some company or institution 
takes the risk and starts to save a lot of data in the data cube and pays for it for some money or just puts uh, this uh, um, hardware for it. And then uh, they want to find the, the, the users for that kind of data group. Mm-hmm. And now uh, the question is, will there be a like a universal data cube that will be interesting for everybody? Uh, will, there, will there be like data cubes for some specific topics, domains and so on? Uh, I don't know, but I see that uh, there are a lot of stuff going on in that direction. But of course, there is the question of this, actually the costs, mm-hmm. because if you want to like really provide that kind of service of data cube that has a lot of data in it, it right. will cost you a lot. So, yeah. so and where the where the actually these customers will come and so on. So it's a big question there. Yeah. To to add, Donald, and I, I also think that and hope and believe that there will be even more free and open data and uh, rich uh, rich data. And like this Copernicus program and Sentinel data is a really good start. And I'm glad that the European Commission like fought the fight to the end and it uh, stayed free and open, even though there was resistance from the industry that you are killing our market and so on. I think it's just short term thinking. It's like actually if you enable the data as a public good, yeah. then the, the whole EO business and the whole geoinformatics business will be Boosted. will be bigger. It's like building yeah. the roads. It's a big, yeah. huge enabler. Yeah. And, uh, uh, nice and also, like in our company, we want to do many things free and open. Like, for example, currently, our uh, machine learning engineer, uh, Margarita de Kret, is uh, developing uh, Sentinel-2 Cloud Mask, which will be free and open. We, we hope to uh, have the article published about it the next uh, summer, and I, I hope the pre- preliminary version of the uh, software will be available already in the coming months so people oh. can start experimenting with, uh, with the cloud mask wow. and uh, our other colleague Mikkel Järvoja just finished the crop classification methodology development and this is also free and open in the university Tartu library t-space everybody can can read the methodology documentation and even can download the software and, and play with it so I think it will I think and hope that there will be a lot of free and open data and also methods to use it of course, everything is now AI. Like, I, I think mm. there is a lot of uh, AI using. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's not enough to be only AI specialist or good at AI. It's like you you got to have some domain expertise also. I totally agree. Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think this is exactly, um, we, we, we come across this sort of over and over again also in our podcast that uh, when we talk, why geography or GIS? And then it always comes, on one side it comes down, okay, you can do technology, you can do programming, but only that, you know, you have to apply to something. So, you know, with having geography as a background, you always have this great overview, you know, over domains or in a particular domain. And uh, you always look like, like uh, you, Kaupo, like you said, you like, the large areas of sending because you have the spatial context. Yeah, not because then you can make operational micro. services. Absolutely, because, you yeah. know, some things are closer than others, right? Yeah. And that's something, you know, they're 
more related. And um, yeah, and then also how how um, Daniel said that um, this this um, overview and this do domain. So that, that that that's pretty 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 good, and I think it really resonates um, yeah. across. Yeah, and to the to the students, I think I would encourage to dig deep. Like mm -hmm. uh, at first it sounds like oh it's so hard uh, to understand, but very soon like the terminology starts to repeat itself. Yeah. And kind of like when you have unlocked the kind of the full understanding of some concept, it's a very good feeling. And yeah, right. even let's say if somebody comes from the field of geography and thinks that oh this physics is not for me or it's not complex, I think eventually it comes down to interest. And if you are interested, you are able to make uh, clear all the concepts. Yeah. For yeah. yourself. We have that in the beginning often that students. Yeah, although I think it's getting better, students use geography. Students used to be afraid a bit of technology, mm -hmm. but it but it seems to be um, changing. So we have this, you know, Python, an R course now a few years, and it, it's quite popular. And and um, what we see also in the results, what the students deliver, and the, the capabilities they're building. And now mm -hmm. we also have the similar situation with the data science curriculum of the Computer Science Institute. And we have the same situation, like as you said, um, again, just applying AI to, I don't know, click streams, you know, to be better advertising recommendation. It's boring. It's boring, exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, Evelyn and, and I um, somehow got uh, also uh, two geography courses into the data science curriculum. And I'll be giving a course on uh, machine learning and, and geospatial data. So actually, one of the things we are going to ask over the next weeks, we have to prepare like a letter or something just to, is um, if there are interesting problems that um, we might open as final projects for, for students to, to tackle if there's interest. So um, in terms of, you know, show real world problems in either other working groups in mm -hmm. university, but I think, I mean, you have brought your cloud um, masking algorithm already also to a couple of hackathons, and I imagine it's a, it's a difficult problem. But if you have um, similar things uh, that you, you know, just want to have a, a look at that um, students play around with data and maybe they find something interesting, um, I hereby invite you to, to think about if you have a problem that you, you know, might have students look at as a as a machine learning um, problem, yeah, yeah, we we always have a lot of interesting problems and tasks. There's always too much work. It's never too little yeah. work. And Actually, I, I, yeah. it, it reminds me that we we just had one uh, this kind of a project with students about this uh, segmentation. Uh, segmentation, yeah, delineating the borders of uh, of agricultural parcels, basically. Right. Mm. And this is really uh, also important and interesting topic. There are many solutions already available, but it is quite a complex thing. So, so in general, I think everything what is connected with uh, SAR and radar and what's connected with agriculture is interesting for us. Uh, yeah, we can we can specify special topics also. Cool. Cool. Uh, right. And oh, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, sure. like, where do you see, like, personally and as a company, where do you see yourself in future? Um, 
Very difficult question, sorry. I can start. Like One thing what we want to do is to make space a valuable asset for everyone. That's uh, kind of uh, the, the problem that we are currently facing now. Currently facing is that, that uh, Sentinel satellites produce huge amounts of data. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, too complex and too raw material for many users. And I mean like that on top of this, we need to build WMS services and all like that you can use the data in one click in small portions. Right. If you shoot the user with eight gigabytes of some zip file, which you need mm-hmm. to unzip, then open with a special ESA software, then derive some products, most of users will already give up. Mm-hmm. But I think there is a hundred times more users if, who would use satellite data if the integration would be with one click. Just show me the satellite layer. I, can I scroll in the time back and forth, like two days picture, two days picture? Uh, this is one direction where we are going, and we, we hope that we can make the world better with uh, mm-hmm. with these services, both for human use and both for mass and machine use. Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure, but uh, probably I heard about that Sentinel is not gonna store this data until after a certain point, and uh, after that it the datas are, are gonna be falling, I don't know, to whomever can buy or something. No, uh, I, I, I don't think so. I, I think it will be all there. And just like the rolling archive will be uh, limited. Mm-hmm. But with some waiting and queue, they will store everything. The storage is not the question. Mm-hmm. I think the question is fast uh, serving of the data. Okay. And they, they cannot probably, like it's very expensive to serve the full archive yes. quickly. Currently, it works like this, that if you want the image, let's say, three, four years ago, right. then you put the query, and then from the tapes, it's recovered, and in two oh, okay. days or so, you will get the email. Here is your image, download mm-hmm. it now, something like this. Have you guys worked with the um, East Hub and the Estonian processing Sentinel platform? Absolutely. I think Tunnel is among the most serious users of East Hub. <laughs> All right. Definitely top three users of that. <laughs> oh, so. thank you, Colpo. Thank you, Colpo. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, uh, we, we sure. used it in several projects. Yes, we have used it, uh, especially for processing Sentinel-2 data. Mm-hmm. Because there are really good uh, capabilities there, and uh, and it saves a lot of time and, and also money, because you don't have to download this data you don't have to have the storage to actually keep the data for processing and so on. So it is a really, really nice thing there. So you do it all really on this. Um, I also got a login at some point out of, <laughs> out of interest, but I never got to it really to do anything. So did you, and then the, it, it, you as a company, do you have to, I don't know, do you have to pay anything or is it do you have special, uh, special agreements with the Estonian government? <laughs> Uh, actually, first project uh, was uh, with PRIA, meaning that we had a contract with like government institution. Yeah. Because of that, they enabled us to use it. Makes sense. This, uh, uh, basically, it was this uh, detecting the crop types in Estonia. Mm-hmm. But we have used it uh, later also. And they they have a politics that they, they make user accounts for companies also. Mm-hmm. The only thing that they, um, let's say, limit is the processing uh, power. So there is kind of a queue that yeah. if the company wants to process something, 
sometimes they cannot uh, like allow it or it will be yeah. waiting for some time or something like this. No, but yeah, but I mean, for you as a company, if that is really an enabler and, and you know, saves you, you know, so you don't have to buy big servers yourself and stuff, I guess that's that's good then. And it's good yes. for Estonia, so because, you know, yes. sort of, you know. <laughs> it is for, for our purposes, it's mainly actually for, let's say, for some research development uh, projects, because if you think about this, uh, uh, how to offer a service worldwide or in Europe, then uh, this S2 has only data for Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania. Right. So this is limiting, of course. Mm -hmm. So we are not like building some solutions on top of it. Okay. Yeah. Connected with s we are also using Diasolat. Ah, uh, right. Pernicus uh, infrastructure. Yeah. And we have been on Kriodias. Uh, Which one? Mainly Kriodias, the, the Polish one. Okay. And yeah, they are five, right? I was um, over yeah. the last, um, I don't know, last year, or I was uh, also reading into that a little bit. I was following some podcasts. There's some good podcasts also on, on, on um, like, um, uh, seen from above and uh, some some others. And yeah, they they're also looking into that. And yeah, the Diaz platforms. Um, they they are. I, I wonder why they are five different ones. If they in, in 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 essence they basically provide the same, right? Access to Sentinel data and some yeah, it's, online it's processing. Yeah, it's the European Commission policy. I think they didn't want to create a monopoly situation. Oh. As this uh, kind of like it, the DSs are operated by commercial companies. Yeah. Then eventually they should become self-sustainable. But they didn't want to like fund just one to have a monopoly on the market. Ah, that's the reason. That makes sense. And there are currently five. So. Yeah. But but there is a, a interesting question that when this uh, uh, this let's say the first project ends and the financing from let's say from yeah. the European Commission ends, what happens then? Yeah. <laughs> in particular, if you build on on one of those, like your own your own workflow and everything. Yes. Uh, so this this is interesting. The risk for the company. <laughs> yes. No, but yeah, if you I, I still think it's highly unlikely that all will be shut down. Yeah. But if you use the like, you know, open interfaces and standards, then it might not be too hard to switch from one to another, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to add that also these uh, purely commercial activities are providing the data, let's say this uh, Amazon Web Services. Uh, mm -hmm. Google, Earth Engine, and so on. So, yeah. like, also the interest is also there. Mm. As a as a final question, official question from our side that we would really like to know from you is, what info or advice would you give to GIS or geography students uh, on on the way in in a few sentences? Uh, dig deep. <laughs> deep, deep, yeah, you, you brought that up already. Yeah, yeah. Like, don't don't be afraid that something is too complex for you. Uh, only worry that it's interesting for you. Mm -hmm. uh, I I was thinking that maybe maybe uh, one advice would be make your project somewhere else as Estonia, because then you learn more. Uh, okay. Learn more about uh, what is actually important this what what is the project why is this projection important and so on yeah so if it's possible sometimes it, it's much easier to do it than Estonia of course but 
um, just think about it. Maybe there is a way that you can do your uh, research project or something somewhere else. Yes, yeah, going abroad is definitely good during the student time. So mm -hmm. provides yes. another perspective to Estonia also, at least for me, like I was one year in France mm. in, in ISU and like I started to value like the Oh, you also more. were in, 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 the, in the ISU, yeah? Yes, like Martin. The, yeah, Actually, the, the I, how can I say? I, I helped to talk Martin into ISU. Oh, wow. Because, uh, he was yeah. my master student. At, uh, he point. was your master student at yes. the Yes, yeah, it's, a little, it's always connected, small world. That's fantastic. <laughs> that was a great ecosystem. Yeah. Wow, okay. Um, do you have any, any other questions or um, interesting things that you want to bring up? Right now, I think, yeah, we're fine, kind of. Unless uh, you guys want to add anything at the... Uh, at, a, at an en ending note, yeah. just uh, any last continue word? doing awesome work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's cooperate and be open. Like of it's, course, uh, of EO course. sector is still so small, and uh, that it makes sense to share and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, be open. Yes, it's just a curiosity question about what what do you think will be the next big things in uh, geoinformatics? Mm -hmm. What are you interested in? Well, I mean. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> yeah, it's very hard for me to say. Uh, no, hmm. I, I mean, otherwise you can, you know, you can also say our our ending jingle. <laughs> ah, okay, yes. Um, ah, okay, okay, yes, I found it. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right. So thank you so much uh, for joining us today, and thank you, dear listeners. Uh, this concludes our episode today. Also, like everywhere, please like, share, and subscribe. We'd also be happy if you have some feedback for us. See you in the next episode.